Isn't that interesting how we can be doing what our dream is and be completely miserable? You ever been there before? You ever found yourself there? It's amazing what when we're one degree off of God's plan, the whole world can be looking and seeing what we're doing and see you and just go, man, you are truly living the dream. And just internally, you can be kind of going, no, I'm really not. It's amazing whenever we begin to get into the will of God and we turn and we pull close to the Lord, how God has the ability to make the way uh, when it just kind of seems like it's going to be hard, you know? Living the dream, yet totally miserable. You know, this captures the essence of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, It captures what Micah had to say to the Hebrews, the Israelites, God's people, as God's people weren't necessarily living the dream because they were being oppressed, but what they were doing is they were living under under the umbrella of God, God's chosen people. The one that even in oppression still have God on their side. It's just such a remarkable way that they are completely miserable in their circumstances. And the Lord got to shine the light of hope in them through Micah. But he kind of had to do some, some stuff up front to help get them back on course to where the Lord was able to make that path straight in the way that God always wanted to. You know, we're in a series called The Prophets of Doom right now. And uh, and we've been going through uh, some minor prophets up to this point, and we're going to remain in the minor prophets for the the duration of this series. And, 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 you know, the minor prophets, they're not exactly known for their their happy, uh, cheery messages. They've got some pretty tough things to say, but the thing that they also do is they deal with some tough stuff, but they also provide hope. And so, so in this, you know, one of the things that these minor prophets are doing, we've up to this point, we've um, we've talked about, you know, the fact that um, uh, we're to anticipate the coming judgment of the Lord. We're also looking forward to God's kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. We'll discover tonight how um, how these. Uh, the people of God, these minor prophets are saying, you got to abandon idolatry. These things you keep putting over and above the Lord, you got to get them in the rightful place and put God back in his rightful, uh, rightful space in your life. Uh, they also did a, a great job of, of tell, telling people and helping people understand we got to embrace God's mercy. You know, God is a God of mercy. And so we embrace God's heart of mercy. We rejoice in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And again, we anticipate God's coming judgment because this isn't as good as it gets, right? Because his glorious kingdom is coming. And so that's what we're looking forward to. And all of these, they still resonate in today. This was all a part of what we read and what we know as the Old Testament before Jesus walked this earth. These are the things that the prophets were teaching the body um, of the Lord here on this earth. His church, his bride, the church, was here, and they're teaching these, and they still resonate uh, and echo in our world today for sure. You know, uh, if we rewind back to the first Sunday that we talked about the prophets of doom, we discovered and worked through the difficult truth that if we desire God to exercise punishment instead of forgiveness, our hearts are not in line with God's plan. And so we we took um, well, we we took to it and worked to line our hearts up. With God's plan. Now, last week, we talked about the truth that we receive power. And we really focused in on that word power. It's an important one because in today's day and age, we don't necessarily focus as much on the power of the Spirit. We focus more on compassion and care and comfort, 
and and um and and rather than power. And so last week we talked about how we receive power when we receive the Holy Spirit, and we worked really hard to try to see the outpouring of the Spirit in our lives. You know, as the week went along, I began to think through ways that I've seen the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And you know, last Sunday, just as soon as service was over, I got to have a conversation with Keith Becker. And you guys, many of you know, those of you that don't know, Keith had open heart surgery. He had a valve replaced. He had an aneurysm taken care of. Open heart surgery um, at 25 years old, right? Plus a few years, right? Plus a few. Anyway, uh, and so, so, so Keith had open heart surgery, and whenever the doctors went in, the doctors are just baffled at the, um, at the state of the valve that was inside of his body, and it was just mind-blowing as to how he was able to live the life that he was living, and the cool thing about it is Christy and Keith both, they're like, no, we know exactly how he was able to live that life. This mangled valve that had to be replaced that in all intents and purposes should have failed. He should have had complication after complication, and he didn't. We know what that is. It's the power of the Spirit of God alive and well in Keith Becker's life and body. He's devoted his life to the Lord. It's such a beautiful story, isn't it? So amazing. He's still in recovery. Of course, he's blowing the doctor's minds at his recovery and everything and just doing amazing and wonderful, and we're so thankful for that. I also was reminded of a story, and this is, this is crazy stuff here, uh, but I was reminded of the story of my son, Samuel. Um, so last year, Sam was playing flag football, and we're watching him run on the field, and we're like, man, something is up. He's starting to run really funny. He used to be really fast. Now he's really slow on the field. What is going Going on, and he starts running towards us, and we notice his knee is kind of bending towards the inside in a way that it shouldn't be bending. Now, come to find out, we take him to the doctor. We find out that the doctor says he has what's called an OCD lesion, which we find very amusing, obsessive-compulsive disorder lesion, right? No, that's not what that is. But what it is is there's this lesion in there, and it's just causing this. It's not very painful, thank goodness. But about that same time, you want to know what we've noticed in our home? In our home... Earlier, Sam got a dog. Her name is Sandy. She's a sweetheart. She wa- <laughs> we watch her run across the living room. You know what she's doing? Limping. We're like, what in the world is going on? Okay? She runs across. She's limping. Take the dog to the vet. You want to know what she had? An OCD lesion. Are you kidding me? Doctors, or the vet tells us it's going to be, you know, 25 gazillion dollars in order to get her taken care of, you know, and we're like, well, I'm sorry, Sandy, Sam's going to be the priority in life and all that kind of thing, and we're going to just hope that this kind of something changes, right? Sam goes and has surgery, gets his knee fixed, stops limping. You want to know what happened to the dog? Yep, stopped limping. Now, you can call that whatever you want to call that. She hasn't limped since Sam's surgery. Tell me the Spirit of God is not alive and well, showing up in our lives in ways that there's only one way that we can explain it. You start, I hope that you guys got the experience just thinking through all of the just amazing stories that you just go, what? How is that possible? It's only explained by the power when we receive the Holy Spirit of God. We just got to make sure we're looking for it because the Lord is pouring out his love on us, lavishing love over and above us. We just got to make sure we're ready for it. Be ready to receive this and to capture it. 
This week, we're going to talk about the word of the Lord through Micah. And it's, a, it's an intriguing story. You know, the prophet Micah, he's addressing these difficult situations that the people of God are living in. The Hebrew people, they're being oppressed at the time. And he also gets a chance to remind them that God will be the one to vindicate Israel. They don't have to be the one. God will be the one to vindicate Israel and will essentially create this hope that's going to be for them. But Micah does something unparalleled to the minor prophets at this point. He says, not only is it going to be hope for you, it's going to be hope for all humanity all over the world. We today live under this prophecy. We today live under this beautiful teaching that Micah brings to the people of God in this time. And so if you get nothing else tonight from the book of Micah, from this minor prophet Micah, get this, even in the darkest times, God promises he will show up. This one here is an important one. We just got to have to understand when things are dark, when things are hard, God promises God will show up. Just like last week, we got to keep our eyes open to see him. We got to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, be ready to receive this. And so we fast forward to today. Yeah, we've got the Hebrew people. Micah says, God promises he's going to show up. We fast forward to today. And while the world may feel like it's falling apart all around us, God assures us that in the fullness of God's time, he will set things right. And we can trust that and we can count on that. And so if you want to turn with me to the book of Micah, we're going to be in chapter three is where we're going to begin. Now chapters one and two are where prophets of doom come from because that's where Micah's kind of regulating a bit. He's saying, hey man, you guys are worshiping in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord and it's going to result in your destruction. He takes these two chapters to do this and then he gets to the big but in there and he says, but God is going to restore hope. There is hope in this and God will bring things to its right place. Uh, but before that, Micah chapter three, verse 12, because of you, Mount Zion, or because of you, you prophets, you Israel, excuse me, not prophets, but Israel's leaders who have led people astray, worshiping God in a way that's not pleasing to the Lord, people following their lead, because of you, Mount Zion will be plowed like an open field. Jerusalem will be reduced to ruins. A thicket will grow on the heights where the temple now stands. God is saying, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up when things are low. I'm going to show up when you're getting things out of line, and we're going to work things out together. No matter where you are, God's going to show up. God promises he's going to show up. And so, yeah, God had already warned them that he's not going to tolerate this thing anymore. Their idol worship, their laziness are things that was going to be corrected by the Lord. And then, of course, after this, he then gets to chapter 4, where he helps people understand what comes after the destruction. And what comes after the destruction is that God will establish himself again as the sole source of worship in all of Israel and all of the world. This is a huge moment. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the hills. The people from all over the world will stream there to worship. And here it is. People from many nations, not just the Hebrews, people from many nations will come and say, come, 
Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. Then he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. See, God's word shows us through Micah that his worship will include Israel, yes, but it will also include and incorporate the rest of humanity. Now, this may not have been the news the Hebrews were wanting to hear because they kind of like the idea of knowing they're the special ones of God. You know I mean? Don't you like to know that you're the special one of God? It's pretty special to know that you are, and the Hebrews had grown accustomed to this. Whether they could feel God's presence or not sometimes was yes and sometimes was no, but in this moment, this may not have been their favorite news to hear, but nevertheless, it is great news for the rest of the world, and we today, it's great news for us. Because we get to live under this hope and under this blessing that Micah prophesied over not only the people of God, but all of the world and all who would worship the Lord in a way that is pleasing to God. And so let's just listen to Micah describe how God will go about establishing the great all-encompassing comeback or this great return, if you will, that God is going to do. Micah chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. God will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords, in other words, an instrument of death. They will beat their swords into plowshares, a tool to bring life through plants, food, all of that. They will take it, they will, between um, swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Do you hear our future in that? I know we sit here today and we listen to these words and we go, man, that's great. And I know that, man, yeah, the Lord did restore Israel and then Israel messed up again and then the Lord restored Israel again and then Israel messed up again. And then Jesus had to come, right? And Jesus came and set everything right. And then, dadgummit, we in the 21st century oftentimes will do the exact same things that the people of God in the Old Testament did. And we like to think that we're this closed, you know, closed group of people and maybe we got this special love from the Lord and we usurp everything that God will give us. Us and we, we, we just kind of keep to our holy huddle and then God has to kind of reboot everything and get our worship where it needs to be. And sometimes we perpetuate these cycles and it's got to be, the Lord's just got to be scratching his head going, good gosh, come on. But do you hear our future in these things? We sit here today and there's, there's war all over our world. And we look at this and go, man, we'd love to see swords turned into an instrument of life. We'd love to see peace on this planet. We'd love to see this stuff. We also recognize, when is that going to come? Well, it's going to come when Christ returns and we spend eternity in heaven. And we understand that. And it's, we, we're, it pains us, I hope, to recognize and see the prophecy in this that was not just for the time in which Micah was prophesying, but also carries into our time in the here and now today. But here's what we can, here's what we can understand. The way that God will go about establishing this universal return. Here's who God is. 
God will judge with fairness and truth. That's what we can see from what we just read. God will judge with fairness and truth. God will bring peace out of war. Have you seen it? I've seen it. There's no doubt. There's story after story of peace existing on the backside of horrific wartime between the nations. But this last one, man, this one's the one. God will bring definitive declaration to what is acceptable worship. God is going to define what is acceptable worship. And all those who are a degree off, 10 degrees off, 25 degrees off, God's going to show up and he's going to help redirect. Those that are in the will of God, but man, things are really, really low and in a pit of despair, God's going to show up and is going to set things right. You can be guaranteed of this message that we are hearing in this. The most important thing we understand is what is acceptable worship. And the only thing that we know in this is that there is only one that is acceptable for our worship, and that is God. Anything that we place over and above God, it's called an idol. And that's what Micah's talking about. And that's what we can hear from this. And we can take an account of our lives in the here and now and go, okay, I get it. You know, yes, I get it. Okay, so Moses kind of established all of this, these pilgrimages that everybody would go to Jerusalem and they would worship and they would worship God in this moment. And then David, yeah, he wrote the Psalms and all of a sudden now they've got their first worship musics and worship songs. They got harps and the bands start coming and all that kind of stuff start happening. And now, and, and then, then you got Micah who says, man, it's not just gonna be for the people of God now and not just this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. No, it's gonna be for all of the world. And we sit under this and now here we are that we're worshiping and we've got all this instrumentation, all these beautiful things that we're still to this day are singing these worship psalms that David wrote thousands of years ago. And we call on the name of the Lord, but yet we still struggle with a similar thing, and that is sometimes we get things out of order. And sometimes we prioritize things in a way that matter more to us than our Heavenly Father. And God's saying, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to help you get that right. And to some, it can be painful. And to others, it can be incredibly encouraging. All along the way, it's life-giving because God's a God of mercy and a God of peace. And so we see all of this happening, but here's what we get from Micah. Yeah, God's gonna show up, but God's encouragement through Micah in that moment and he's writing and he's talking to the Hebrews, he's saying, peace is possible among people who make God the object of their worship. That's what he's saying. Yeah, this, this world that you Hebrews are in and you're being oppressed and things are low, peace is possible. you got to make God the object of your worship. When God is number one, peace follows after, even in the darkest of times. And it's a really beautiful reality. doesn't mean that it's easy, but it just gives a difference maker. Peace is possible for those who make God the object of of their worship. And now here's the cool part for us. We live on this side of the cross. And the death, burial, and resurrection, it validates this that Micah is talking about. This death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it validates the new direction. It validates the new direction of the people of God here on this earth and the desire for God to bring that 
the way it is in heaven here on this earth. Now, here's the cool thing. You know, you guys know Bono, lead singer for U2. I know I'm dating myself a little bit on this one here, but you too, some of you folks, you love you too. Some of you teenagers are like, I have no idea who, yeah, you too, whatever. I have no idea who you too is. But here, here's the deal. It's a great, great band. And Bono's done some pretty cool things on this earth. Um, here's, here was a neat thing. I was watching this interview uh, this last week that Bono was in. And as I was watching the interview, um, he was talking about the time in which he went to Golgotha. And, and as he was touring, you know, the Holy Lands, and he's standing there at Golgotha, it's as if the Lord just kind of spoke to him in that moment. And he said that in his mind, the phrase, this is where death died, entered into his head. Now think about that for just a moment. This is where death died. Because Jesus died on the cross, and then he conquered death by raising from the dead. He conquered death. Golgotha is the space in which death died in the moment that Jesus gave his life for all to be able to live. All who call on the name of Jesus, you don't ever die. I know you're sitting here kind of going, that may sound really funny, but the thing is, yeah, these bodies of ours that are wasting away, man, we feel it every year, don't we? Things just get weird. They start sagging places that you, they didn't want sag, and the, you start, you know, like, like developing like this midsection that didn't once exist, and then, you know, things, it's just weird. Things start, it's, it's clearly breaking down. We see this. But yeah, that, while that may go away, our soul, who we really are, lives for all eternity in paradise. And this is good news because this place here on this earth, this isn't as good as it gets. This isn't what we're living for. We're living for paradise. And Jesus is the one that paves the way to that. This is the place where death died. And think on that. That's a good one to think about. And so while Micah was telling the people, the Hebrew people, peace is possible among people who make God the object of their worship, you fast forward into our day, God's encouragement to us, peace is possible among people who make Jesus the Lord of their lives. See, Jesus is the way to all that Micah's talking about. Jesus is the way to where swords get turned into something different. Jesus is the way to where a, a, a tool that was meant for death produces life instead. Life that is not just for the here and now, but life that is for all eternity. Peace is possible among people who make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Now, you heard it. You heard it earlier in Jonathan Evans' stories. And those of you who haven't put the dots together, I'll put them together for you. This is Tony Evans' son. Tony is a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and has done amazing ministry for many, many years. And uh, it's pretty cool to see this story play out. Now, as I watched this story uh, this past week, getting ready for today, it really resonated within me because many of you guys know my story. You know my story that, that I had a dream and, and, and all the way through my sophomore year in college, I was pretty good at accomplishing those dreams. Things were just kind of working out. And in my sophomore year in college, something changed. I found myself living what I believed was the dream, preparing for what I thought was the dream in my life, and I was completely miserable. Things were upside down, and then the words of my father entered into my head. 
Because when I was younger, I told my dad, I'll never do what you do. My dad is a minister. I told my dad, I'll never do what you do. And my dad gave me two pieces of advice that I'll never forget. And these are, I, I've passed these on time and time again. The first piece of advice is this. Hey, son, if you can do anything other than the ministry and be happy doing it, do it. You wouldn't think a minister would be the one giving that advice, would you? He said, if you can do anything other than doing the ministry and being in the ministry and be happy doing it, do it. And the second thing he said, until you're in the will of God, your life is going to be upside down. So be careful saying never. And Dad Gummit, that day my coach grabbed my face mask and he pulled me close to his face and he's just wearing me out because I'd made a mistake. It's like I separated from my body and I was able to see what's going on and it was like, this is miserable. This is not the future for my life. And it was very clear in that moment that there was a call on my life that the Lord said, yes, your job is to work with the greatest physician ever to have existed in the history of time, not to be a physician. Yes, your job is to help people. Yeah, that's exactly right. But not in the way you think that you're going after helping people. And that moment in which took me a little while, but as I walked off that football field for the last time, it was in that moment that the Lord began to make, well, began to just bring it all together. And I'm forever and ever grateful. You know, the crazy thing is, is that during that time of my life, it's not like I was living just this, this life that was outside of the will of God. Man, I was a part of the church. I was singing in the praise team. I was doing all the things that I thought was good. But the thing is, is that my why behind what I was doing was off. My why was because I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I'm doing it because this is what good people who love Jesus do. This is what we're supposed to do. I'm giving of time, talent, treasure. I'm doing all these things. And people from the outside looking in, it looked like it was good. But my why was off. Because if you get down to it, I was accomplishing my goal. I was accomplishing my dream. And I was dreaming some pretty cool, awesome dreams. But I was in the will of Danny at the time of of my life. Even though all people that were looking at it would have said, this guy's in the will of God. But I was really more in the will of Danny. And I'm so thankful that God showed up, reminding me of my father's words that I believe with all my heart were from the father. Forever and ever believe that. My life today looks really, really different <laughs> than I thought it was going to look. And we got to laugh at it, you know, because it's like, good gosh, it's hilarious. You know, this is just the cheerfulness that we get. We look and go, golly, are you kidding me? Life looks like this. I never would have painted this picture. And I am forever and ever grateful that the Lord showed up on that day and has continued to show up time and time again. See, my worship was off. Jonathan Evans, his worship was off. The Hebrews, their worship was off. They were prioritizing things over and above God that God needs to be the top point. And so the question that we have to get to today, through the words of Micah, through the stories that we've shared, what or who is the object of your worship? What's number one? There's all kinds of idols, all kinds of idols. I mean, is, is the idol, is it chasing the dollar? You know that country song, chasing that dollar? You know what I mean? Is it, are, you, are you chasing a dollar? And, and, and out of chasing that dollar, you find yourself consuming everything that God has given you? 
And so there's this, this idol of, man, I just got to make money in order to live. Or, or perhaps maybe, maybe the idol is identity. You know, this is one of the top six idols in our current day is identity. A lot of people, when you ask them who they are, they'll tell you what they do for a living. That is not who you are. It's not what you do. That's, that's an identity thing. That's a, that, no. Who are you? It's not that you're an engineer. That's what you do to make money. It's not who you are. Identity. Who are you? Is it your skills? Man, if I can just get that next license, if I get that next license, then I'm approved. Then I'm going to earn some respect in the industry in which I'm working. If I can just get that next goal, then my office will recognize me for my talent and my skill set. And man, it's everything, and you're focused on it. Who or what are you worshiping? Is it being entertained? I mean, do you live for Netflix on the weekend? You're right. I mean, are you, just, you just can't wait to, to get out of whatever conversation you're in so you can get back on your phone and you can be real. You know? If I could just be real, man, on my phone. I'm going to be real on my phone. You watch, be me, watch me be real. I'm just living for the entertainment. I'm just living for the gram. Instagram, that is. Sickos. What are you doing? I'm just kidding. No, no. Yeah, we're just living. I'm just living for the TikTok and all that, whatever. Maybe vacations. I'm just living to be a go on vacation. I just want to be entertained. Just kind of let my hair down and go, go do it. How about family? Did you know your family can be an idol for you? You know, you can put your family over and above God. You can prioritize them, your children specifically. That happens a lot, where children get kind of up above who God is, and next thing you know, you're chasing, you know, t-ball, and you're chasing soccer, and you're chasing basketball, and you're chasing underwater basket weaving, and all this, you know what I mean? You start chasing all these little things, because you just got to provide that experience for your kids. You know, if you make it to church or not, eh, we'll see. We can get it out of order. We can get it out of whack. How about influence? Just want to be able to influence. When I open my mouth, I really want to be able to speak into people's lives. And if you get down to it, you, you really want people to see Jesus maybe, but really, there's a selfish motivation in that. Influence. Who or what are you worshiping? You know this can all be contained into four different categories, and these are the four top four main things that Americans idolize. Comfort, convenience, safety, and security. Top four things. Those are the things that get prioritized. Man, you could put everything that I just talked about into one of those categories. Comfort, convenience, safety, and security. Top four idols of Americans. Chasing after these things. And these things oftentimes will dethrone God the Father in people's lives. Christ followers' lives, oftentimes these things will dethrone the Lord. And so if you find yourself, so we're going to leave these up for just a second. If you find yourself today and you're kind of in this dry and desolate land where everything's thickety, that's a word I just made up for today, thickety, you know, everything's all thickety, thorny and thickety, um, thistily, whatever you want to say. Are one of these the reason? 
Are things dry and desolate because you've been chasing after comfort, convenience, safety, or security instead of chasing after the life giver? Is that the case? Or maybe you find yourself right now, you are on a mountaintop. You're killing it in your industry. Your family is knocking it out of the park. You are living the dream and people watch you and they want to be you. You gotta be careful because these four things ring true there also. We're at the top of our game and all of a sudden we start focusing on these four things instead of the one who is the reason we are where we are. We gotta be careful because God's gonna show up in all instances. Does God need to course correct our worship? Does God need to course correct our hope? What does God need to do? Micah gives us this truth that God promises he will show up. He's gonna show up and we gotta be excited for that. And so no matter where you are today, no matter where you are today, here's the phrase, peace is possible for those who make Jesus the Lord of their life. And we can say with huge confidence today that Micah's prophecy has been fulfilled. It has been realized in the here and now through the cross. And as we live on this side of the cross through Jesus of Nazareth, we can see people from all over the world turning to him, turning away from these little demigods or mini gods or little gods or idols, whatever, and, and, and experiencing the power of God's spirit. Here's the cool part about this. The best is yet to come. This isn't as good as it gets. This isn't as good as it gets. Yeah, we can be set free from all kinds of stuff on this earth. This is not as good as it gets. We have eternity to look forward to. Death died on the cross. Death died, and therefore we get to live. The best is yet to come. And so church, can we long for heaven together? We just gotta long for heaven together, but at the same time, what we've also gotta do is, we've almost gotta ask the Lord, okay, Lord, can you delay Jesus returning again? Delay this so that more people can come to know Jesus? So that more people can find the way to life? And so we gotta live in this balance. We gotta live in this in-between, this already but not yet kind of reality that we've got. But here's where it comes down to today. Will you make sure that death has no sting in your life? Will you make sure today that you are promised eternity? Make sure that you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Y'all, there's no fear of death. There is no fear of death. Yes, it is hard for those we leave behind. No doubt. We mourn this side. No doubt. We miss, we hurt. But for those who are in Jesus, death died at Golgotha. There is no such thing as death. That body is not the person. The soul is who they are. Because of Jesus we can have peace. Micah tells us about it. Lots of New Testament writers tell us about it. Now let's live in it together. Father, we love you. We praise your name today. And we thank you for stories like Jonathan Evans. We thank you for stories like Keith Becker and Samuel Cook. And we thank you for stories of how you changed the world by helping people that are one degree off get their worship back on track. You also change the world by helping folks who are 180 degrees off, going in the complete opposite direction, 
get on the right course. And Father, we live in this reality today because you sent Jesus to this earth and we get to live in the realized prophecy of this prophet that is known as a minor prophet named Micah. And so Lord, today we look forward to heaven. Today we are excited about life here on this earth. But Lord, we need to make sure that we've got our worship right. Because Lord, we know you're gonna show up. And Lord, when you show up, we wanna be caught worshiping you. We pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen.